want to welcome you again. Glad you're here. We've been in a series of Acts of the Apostles, and once I get there, I'll tell you the page number. We're in Acts chapter 4. Looks like that's going to be on page 969. 969, Acts chapter 4. And Acts is a book that was written after Jesus had died and he rose from the dead. And the beginning of the book says, you know, I wrote to you the two-part series. Luke, there's the gospel according to Luke, and then there's Acts. And Luke says, in the beginning of Acts, he says, I wrote to you about what Jesus began to do. Now, I write to you about what he continues to do. And the entire idea of our series is, you know, Jesus keeps it moving. Jesus keeps somehow working, even though he's physically not here. He, he keeps it moving through his people by his spirit. And this is important for us because we are ourselves looking to start and birth and see a new movement, see a new church right here in town. And I need to remind you that, again, we, we are not yet launched. We are learning and feeling our way around things, right? We are getting to know each other, and we're, we're getting to know how we're going to do things. And so this is a time to, to be patient. This is a time to, to help out in a major way. If you're here, we need you to help out. But this is a time where we're really figuring out who we are together and how we're going to reach the town, okay? And then in March, we're going to launch. In March, we're going to open up. In March, we're going to be extending a welcome to the whole town and beyond. You know, it's not like no one's checking at the door for your Gloucester residence. You know what I mean? Like you can come no matter where you're from or who you are. But we feel a special calling to this city. And we want to see God's blessing here in Gloucester City. And we feel like it's a town that needs another church. And we want to see one planet. And that's why we're in this series, Jesus Keeps It Moving. And that's why we're looking at this. And last week, we talked about how the church was born. We, we talked about the Holy Spirit coming down. We talked about the crazy scene where the disciples came down and they were speaking. Right? But the people heard what they were saying in their own language. Which is crazy if you think about it. In Jerusalem at that time was the Harvest Festival, so there were people from dozens and dozens of different nations all speaking different languages. There's a reason they were all there. They, they, they had made a pilgrimage to be in Jerusalem at that time. And somehow, by the power of God, they're sitting there and they're listening to Peter preach. And they're hearing Peter in their own mother tongue. In the language their mom talked to them when they were a kid, he wasn't using the common language. He wasn't using Greek or Aramaic, which would have been like their English, right? He was speaking, but somehow everybody heard in their own language. There's a lesson for that. Like when God wants to speak to you, he'll speak right to your heart. You don't need Google Translate. You don't, it's not unclear 
When God wants to get your attention, he can get your attention. He's not hindered. He can get your attention. C.S. Lewis once said, he said, God screams in our pain. He whispers in our conscience and he speaks in our pleasure, but he screams in our pain. God uses the rough things in our lives a lot of times to stop us and to say something to us. We're in this series on Acts. And again, it's called Jesus Keeps It Moving. And we were waiting for this moment last week that finally happened. Bang, finally the church is born through the pouring out of his spirit. And it, I want to remind you that this little movement started very small. Jesus chose 12 people. Like he walked up to people like Matthew, the tax collector, sitting up behind his table collecting taxes. And he says, you're going to follow me. And I noticed some of you, and I'm also speaking to those who couldn't be here. You know, we got the podcast up now so you can listen online. I know some of you are like, I relate to that. Pastor Joe or somebody else kind of drug me into this. I don't know where my heart is with it yet, but that's what Jesus did. He, he went around and he, and he chose people. He saw something in them and he asked them to follow him. And for some reason, they started coming around and they started following Jesus around. But the things, the thing like where they feel this deep sense of assurance that this is all true and that, you know, and they believe in him, that comes later. That comes later. But he asked these 12 to follow him. And then when his ministry is really kicking up, and he, and he only really ministered for about three and a half years. But when his ministry started kicking up, he had 70. 70 devout, ride-or-die followers, right? Who he sent out to preach his message. And by the time he dies and he, he rises from the dead, remember Dylan describing the upper room where Jesus told them all to wait? After he rose from the dead, he was going to send them the spirit. And he's like, okay, they're all waiting for something dramatic to happen. And in their minds, they're thinking like, like the Romans are going to get crushed. And we, the Jews, are going to finally have dignity. We're going to have national freedom. They're thinking something like that. And Jesus says, just wait. Just wait here in the city. And they waited 50 days. And remember, they're praying in the upper room, and there's 120 people. Think about that. Jesus' entire ministry. Jesus, Son of God, who healed people, who raised people from the dead. Jesus' whole ministry ends up with 120 devout, ride-or-die followers in that upper room. And then... Last week, the Spirit finally comes, bang, right? And what happens? 3,000 people respond to Peter. 3,000 people respond to Peter. And then tonight, we're going to look a couple chapters ahead, and I said we were going to start zooming through this book because it's 28 chapters, and we're only going to be doing like more of a topical approach. We're not going to be hitting every verse 
in every chapter. But tonight we're zooming over from 2 to chapter 4, and we're going to talk about not just the birth of the church, but what kind of church it is. And we're going to talk about tonight how it's a persecuted church. So the title of the sermon is Pushing Through the Fake News. Fake news has become part of our vocabulary, right? A lot. And I think more than any other thing right now, fake news is one of the tactics that people can use to sow confusion, to sow hatred, to polarize people. And what we're going to see in this chapter is that people are polarized. People are afraid. People roll back and they're like, okay, this thing's getting out of hand. This Jesus thing is getting out of hand. We got we to gotta stop it. We got to slow it down. We got to silence it. <laughs> Were you, uh, I don't know, some people from Gloucester might have saw. Apparently, this letter went around. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You might have saw it on Facebook. And it, it said, um, hey, I want everyone to take down their Halloween decorations. My 15-year-old son came home wailing, bawling, crying because of the scary decorations. And then it had lines like, we are now in Trump's fascist, racist America. And then it had other lines like, we need to have a, we need to be more inclusive. And then it had lines like, we need to be inclusive, but, but um, we need to do away with this hellish holiday, right? It had all these lines, which, which somebody reading it, you have to wonder, you have to like scratch your head and you got to be like, does the same person have all those views? <laughs> Don't some of those views seem to like come from different types of people? <laughs> and we live in a time where it's like everything you read, you just can't take it for a face value. You have to wonder like, maybe this thing did get circulated around. Maybe somebody's been out of shape. But just maybe somebody's having fun. Maybe someone's typing this up and just wanting to see the reaction that they can get. But either way, everything that kind of comes at us, we have to stop. Right? Everything that comes at us, every news story, we have to stop and we have to be like, is this fake news? <laughs> is this real or not? So we have a we have a not as long of a chapter as last week, but we, we have a whole chapter we're gonna read. So I wanna do it a little differently. I wanna ask you to help me with this and read some of the some of the text along with me. So Ben, would you start, would you read from verses 1 to 11, chapter 4 of Acts, on page 269? While they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them, because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. 
After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. By what power or in what name have you done this? And then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the, cor the cornerstone. Somebody read verses 12 to 21. Chapter 4, Acts. And after this, they were released, and they went on their own people, went to their own people, and reported everything the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage? Gentiles means nations, other people than Jews, right? And the peoples plot futile things. The kings of the earth state, take their stand, and the rulers assemble together in the Lord against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in the city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your hand will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servant may speak your word with boldness while, you're, while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place they were assembled was shaken 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed anything that any of his no one claimed any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not one needy person among them, because all those who owned lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what they had sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The word of the Lord. So I know the title is Pushing Through the Fake News, and I want to remind you that for the rest of this series, what we're doing is we are in the text, but we're also looking sort of big picture throughout all the book of Acts. And the theme that we're looking at right now is, what does it look like to push through opposition? What does it look like to push through fear and hatred and, and, and lies? And not just as a church, but individually, because we all face this, right? Where people will lie about you and people will think different things about you that aren't true. And how do we push through? How do we push through the fake news? And it's, it's, it's interesting. There's this, this amazing quote somebody once said. He said, the early church, the early Christians, they didn't look in frustration and say, oh, man, look at the, what the world has come to. They did not look at their world and think, wow, look at the world. Look what it's come to. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? I think if we were honest... We've all said that. We've all thought that. Watch the news. Wake up. <laughs> right? I mean, unless you've got like one of those rare families that's never had a fight. <laughs> right? You think that. Like, what has the world come to? But the, the early Christians, what they said is, look what has come to the world. Do you catch the difference? Not look what the world has come to, but look what's come down to the world. Because they already lived in a broken world. They already knew there was all kinds of lies. They already knew there was all kinds of suffering in the world. And they said, but there's something different. There's something different that's come into the world in Jesus. That we want to talk about. That we want to live for. That we want to proclaim. That we want to rearrange our lives for. And as we push through the fake news, we need to adjust our mentality from thinking like, first of all, what's this world coming to? And, and, and expect that everything you read and everything you hear is true. No, we don't expect that. And we're not shocked 
We're not shocked that people would lie. We're not shocked that, that there would be distortions out there. We're not nostalgic for a false past. You know, I, I talk to people all the time. I remember me and Dylan, we, we were upstairs, and there was this painting of these, these children coming to, to Jesus' feet. And, and some dear, dear sister looks at the painting. She says, wasn't it nice when kids were like that? Just so sweet and innocent. What happened? Yeah. We're saying we're not, that's not the story we live out of. Of just longing for the past. But we're saying, yeah, this world is confusing, is messed up. We need hope, but guess what? Hope came. Hope is here in the Lord Jesus. And. You know, Peter and John, we see them uh, in chapter 3. We see them heal a guy who was 40 years old and had been lame, like he couldn't walk, for his whole life. And everybody in town knew it. And you're like, how is that possible? Well, Jerusalem was about half the size of Philadelphia. And I tell you what, I lived in Philly for most of my life. And if there are, there are certain spots downtown where there are people that like kind of everybody knows even though Philly's twice the size of what Jerusalem would have been in the first century. So this is somebody that would have been right there at like market and broad, right? And everybody would see him every single day, and he had been in that situation his whole life. And he came up asking Peter, you got any change? You got any change for me, right? And Peter says, you know what, gold and silver I don't have, but in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And he, he grabbed him, right? And he picked him up. And the guy was walking. And now in chapter 4, you have the Sadducees. You have these influential people, these court people. This is ironic. Catch the irony here. Remember, talked about Jesus saying you'd be witnesses. Now, did the apostles understand when Jesus said you're going to be witnesses? Did they understand? He meant it very literally. Like, you're going to be in court, and you're going to be witnesses. You're, you're, you're literally going to be witnesses in court. And, and, and we spiritualize the word, like, to be a witness. And it does mean to bear witness, to, to share, you know, what is good going on in your life. But it also means when the rubber meets the road, when you're in a situation and you're being cross-examined, are you going to stand up for Jesus or, or, or just say, well, I don't know. I, I mean, that's kind of out there. I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's for that them. That's, that's what it means to be a witness. It means to be in a courtroom and to testify, to give testimony and it, when it really counts. And these people had power over Peter and John, didn't they? They had power. They, they, they could end their lives. They had seen just a few months earlier that Jesus was crucified. Do you think they were scared? 
They probably were. They probably were scary, but you know what? They knew they had nowhere else to go. They knew that Jesus was too good for them, that he'd done something for them, and they weren't going to deny him, especially Peter. Peter's like, I'm done with the denial game. Peter had done his denial thing. I mean, he denied Jesus to a little girl that had no power. In the garden, while Jesus was being judged and being on, was on trial. But guess what? When it counts and when he's on trial, he says no, and he's bold. And God used this sign to help even more people come to know him. So the church grows from 3,000 people to 5,000 people. And the Bible also describes signs and wonders. And, and we're going to talk about that one night, maybe next week, I think it is, just talk about the, the miraculous church. But I want to ask this to get ready for that. Have you ever wondered why the Bible calls miracle signs? Kind of a weird, kind of a weird description. Why not just call them miracles? <laughs> All right? I mean, it does say signs and wonders. Well, if I were to show you signs of the golden arches, you would know what that represents, right? If I were to show you the Nike symbol, you would know what that represents. If I were to show you the, the Coca-Cola sign, you'd know what that represents. And the idea here is that miracles, that people being healed is a sign pointing not to itself but to something greater. So when a person who couldn't walk from birth, who's 40 years old, all of a sudden can walk, to us, we look at that and we're like, that's the thing, right? Like, that's all I want. All I want is to be better. All I want is the people who I love to come back. And the Bible says, no, 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 that's just a sign, that's just an advertisement. That's just a commercial of what? Of the next life. Of God. It's called a sign because it, it's a symbol. It's a preview. It's a sneak peek. In this life, that's what we can pray for. That's what we can hope for. You know, you go to the feature movie. The feature movie is not this life. But what we can get are those previews, right? Those two-minute, three-minute previews. And here, here's a question, though. Are the apostles, are the apostles like somehow super special men? who could perform these signs, and they did this to confirm what they were saying was true to help the Bible be written and to sort of anchor down in history the reality of this? Was this like a special amount of time, a special time where God was doing something remarkable, right? And, and, and his son had just been crucified, offered this sacrifice for the whole world, and now his followers are going around and 
a way to confirm what they were saying was actually from God was that they could perform these miracles. And another question, should these miracles continue? Should we pray for them? Should we pray for signs? The short answer is, for both of those questions, is yes. It sounds like they're contradictory. But we're, gonna, we're going to look more into that. We're going to look more into that in the future. But I want to say the short answer is yes. Yes, the apostles were special men set aside by Jesus to establish his church. Yes, there was a special sense of like they were confirming the truth of the word of God as they went around and they and every single one of them lost their life was killed for the cause but at the same time yes we should pray for signs and we'll get more into that but I just want to hold this intention these signs right these signs they are previews they are advertisements they're not the real thing they're not all we look for in this life we know already that this land is the low land of sorrows we know that life is full of heartache and full of trouble jesus told us in this life you will have trouble we know this life is a life of sickness and sadness and death that no matter how much you pray, those who you love will die. This is a hard message, but it's true, right? We know that. Sometimes somebody's on the brink and we pray and they come back for a while. But no matter how righteously you live, you're gonna get sick sometimes. And no matter how generous you are, you might get hit with financial disaster. And the people who say otherwise are lying. And they are part of the fake news problem that we gotta push through. And we don't see it so much in this chapter, but in the book of Acts we see that the problem isn't just the outsiders, it isn't just the people in authority, it isn't just the Sadducees who are in the court who can bring and, and beat up Peter and John and later see Stephen get stoned to death. It's not just the outsiders who are resistant to this message, but there are people who come up to the apostles and are like, I'll give you money if you give me this power you have. And there are people who go out and they preach the gospel because they are being selfish and they want to make money. We see that in the New Testament. It's not something that just started happening 2,000 years later. Something that's always been there. And the early Christians had to fight and push through the fake news. But here we have, we have the Sadducees, which were a party uh, of Jews that had real political connections because they leaned towards the Greek philosophy. And they were the people who really, really respected the Greeks. And one of the ways that they sort of compromised their position was they said, listen, uh, there's no resurrection of the dead, and we don't really have to take all this stuff in the Torah very seriously. There's just some life lessons from it. Let's combine. 
Let's combine like what we believe as Jews with the Greek philosophy and we'll be okay. And there's still, there's still people coming from that perspective. Says, you know, the problem is we just, we're just too bent out of shape. We're just taking this stuff too seriously. Let's combine X, Y, Z. Maybe it's not Greek philosophy. It's something else, right? We're going to mix it all together. And we're going to do that. And we're going to sell out. And we're going to compromise so that we can have some audience with the society we live in. So that we can get approval. So that people will like us. John Wesley once said that what we tolerate today, the next generation will embrace. Let that sink in. What you tolerate today, the next generation will embrace. And all night I've been talking about this whole fake news, this whole thing where the ends justifies the means. And as long as our side wins, as long as our point of voice, point of view is louder, right? However we can get it through, that's where we are now and we're tolerating that now. What will we embrace in the future? I know some of you... I know some of you like have watched, tuned in to, to the 700 Club. And, and, and you, can, you can see the 700 Club, and a lot of times there'll be these positive stories. They'll go around, and they'll, they'll bring their trucks of food to people, and they're doing good stuff. And there's some good stuff on it. But um, I normally don't spend time ever, especially in this kind of context, disrespecting or, or bringing down other people. I don't do it on social media either. And the reason that I do that is that I think sometimes people do this so that they can win points with people that, that they really shouldn't be caring what they think. Like, I have uh, most of my family, you know, aren't necessarily church people, but I'm not going to spend all of my time trashing church so that they can feel good about me. You know? That makes no sense. I'm not ashamed of it. I got weird cousins. <laughs> like, as a Christian, I have weird cousins. <laughs> as a Christian, it means that I'm a part of this family, and some of my cousins, right, they bob their heads and they chant in the Middle East, in Syriac, and they, and they I got other cousins in the Nuba Mountains in, in Sudan, right? And they jump up and down, they jump like four feet high, and enjoy as they worship. I've got cousins in this country who have political views to the far right of me and to the far left of me. And I just don't want to spend time usually just, just, just making fun of other people that I'm actually a brother to, whether I agree with them or not, whether they agree with me or not. But there comes a time when it's important to highlight some stuff because it can actually be harmful to us. And on this program, you will hear the prosperity gospel. And I want to tell you that this is fake news. 
materialism is also fake news. Like every single commercial that you'll see on all the big networks, they're like, if you buy this car, you're going to be happy and all the women will like you, <laughs> right? That's fake as well. Both have the same motivation of heart. Pat Robertson, who leads the 700 Club, once said, he said, if your wife gets Alzheimer's disease, it's kind of like she died and you can just leave her. And you get another wife, it's cool. He also said to a caller who called in that if your wife is rebellious, you should move to a country like Saudi Arabia where you could beat her. So like on the one hand, I'm not spending a lot of time talking about this stuff, but on the other hand, we gotta speak up about this stuff, right? We gotta talk about this stuff. And if you follow the plan, if you follow the seven steps, if you follow this or that, if you give money, if you touch the TV, if you do X, Y, and Z, you will be healthy, you will be wealthy, you will be fine. And this is why the prosperity works. Because every person alive wants to be healthy and wealthy and beautiful and fine, right? Everybody's searching for that. And this is why the prosperity gospel doesn't work on the other side. When we celebrate exactly the same thing that everybody else celebrates, God gets lost. He's not even in the picture. So what we're chasing after is wealth, and what we're chasing after is stability, and what we're chasing after is a happiness that we can have in this life. And we're forgetting all the time. We're just forgetting about God. We see a totally different picture in Acts 4. Like Jesus is better than life. They stand up to the Sadducees who can take their life and they say, we're not going to stop talking about Jesus. And we see in this chapter, we see the trial, we see the fake news, we, we see the answer, the apostles, we see them answer straight to the faces of their haters, and we also see them being bold before God himself. They're being bold before others and bold before God himself and bold before others. Like I said, Jesus calls you and I to be witnesses, and that sometimes might mean, like, testify what you think when it matters, when your reputation's on the line. Um, we lived, I lived in uh, Africa different times of my life as a missionary. When I was younger, about 20 years old, we, I worked in Nairobi. And we had this woman who was 40 years old. She's 40. And her father would continue to sort of arrange marriages for her. Right? And she would say no to every one because she, at some point in her life, became a follower of Jesus. And he was trying to arrange marriages with all these people who were not followers of Jesus. So at 40 years old, he would lock her up in the house. Every time she dishonored him and disobeyed him, he would beat her. 
She had a sister, a slightly younger sister, who was a friend uh, of us and would, would text us and say, I'm taking my sister to the gym now. So they'd go to the gym to work out. The sister would go into the gym to work out, and the, 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 this woman I'm telling you about would stay in the cab, but they'd always pick a cab that had the shaded, tinted glass, right? And me or the other pastor, we would get in the back seat, and we would sit on this street with the tinted glass, and we would bring the bread and the wine, and we would share communion with her. This might only happen like two or three times a year. We would sing with her. We would remind her that God loves her. That God is with her. That God is for her. Yeah, here, you know, people just might look at you funny if you talk about Jesus too much. Big deal. We knew people who were kidnapped. We knew people who were killed. We knew people who lost their business. We knew people who sacrificed a lot. But the thing is, how do we fight back from the fake news? How do we fight back? How do we push through? How do we push back? I want to tell you tonight that we don't push back with more fake news. <laughs> we don't push back against hate with hate. We don't push back against deception and reframing things with lies. So what do you see in this chapter? You see them bringing up this guy who was over 40 and had not walked his whole life and now he's walking and when they ask him and they ask the apostles what's going on what happened they just say are you really are you really going to punish us we helped a guy who was crippled his whole life we healed him so they answer with peace they answer with confidence they answer with love and they answer with truth. They don't fight fire with fire. <laughs> they don't say, well, we got some dirt on you. <laughs> We're going to send a nasty tweet. <laughs> We're going to send a nasty tweet and be like, Sadducees are lame. you know, <laughs> Worst people ever. <laughs> I've got some big news about them and all the stuff they did rotten. They don't say anything about the Sadducees. They said, yes, we did it. Are you really going to condemn healing? And they said, no, we're not going to condemn healing. And you know what? It's the same thing today. They say, guess what? You do good things. That's great. Just don't talk about Jesus, please. Just stop talking about Jesus. Dylan knows what I'm talking about. There are lots of places where it's like, yeah, church, come alongside, bring your money, bring your people, come and serve, do this and that. Just don't talk about Jesus ever, and we'll be fine. But we are called to be true to who we are and what we are. And if you only talk about Jesus, now listen to me, if we only talk about Jesus, but we don't do anything for anybody, we don't love anybody, we don't help anybody, we don't 
care about anybody. What it will communicate is that we think that the only thing that matters about you is your soul, not your body, not your kids, not your family, not your situation right now. Or all we care about is us and our institution and growing our thing and being awesome, which is not true. On the other hand, if all we do is do good things and love people and, 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 and try to serve and be out there and we never talk about Jesus, we are ashamed of the one who brought all the goodness and truth and peace and love and hope to our lives. The apostles pushed through the fake news by being bold in front of others, but they were also bold in prayer. Listen, there's no, when we read this text, there's no special saint and there's no special angel that the apostles claim to get some extra juice on their prayer in that dire need, right? Like they cry out to God, like stretch out your hands and do signs and wonders. They just risked death. They just got off and they're not gonna have so much luck in the future some of them are going to die. Some of them are going to, Peter and John are going to, next time they're going to get beat. They're going to be jailed. But I want you to hear this. They pray to God alone. They never, in Acts, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, and not even in all the extra books in the, between the Old Testament and the New Testament that Catholics use, they never once ever pray to an angel. They never once pray to a saint. They, there's one thing to pray for the dead. That's different. That's a different discussion. You know, God is outside of time. <laughs> and somebody died, and you don't know how they're doing. And you just pray that they would rest in peace. It's like a totally different conversation that we're not having right now. I'm not talking about praying in the light of the communion of saints. I'm not talking about you pray to God and you realize that your relatives and the saints from all history are there and they see your prayers. I'm not talking about the reality that there are angels and they bring our prayers to God. That's how the Bible describes it. And it talks about the angels are having unseen warfare that we can't see, right? And we see little, little glimpses of it. We know there's all kinds of things happening around us. I'm not talking about any of that. But when you pray, like for example, the angels, you're actually reversing the chain of command and you're making the angels like the deciders. Jesus even described in Matthew 18, 10, he's described little children as having angels assigned to them to protect them, to guard them. But that's not the same as, hey, you go to them and pray to them. Never once do they pray to angels. Never once. And you can pray directly to God because you know you're forgiven. 
because you know you're loved, because you know you're here, you're heard. The veil was torn. When Jesus hung on the cross, there was this big, thick carpet, right? It was ripped in half. And the place that was called the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was, where like priests would have to wear bells on their ankles when they would go in for the yearly sacrifice. Why do they have bells on their ankles? If they drop dead, they would drag the priest back out. The holy place that no one dared to go into was opened up when Jesus died. That we can go to God and we don't need help because Jesus died so that we would know God and have a relationship with him directly. And that's why we ask you to practice your priesthood. That's why we ask you to pray in church. But I want you to pray at home as well. You know what we do, like in the morning, we, we, we sit as a family and we read like a paragraph. And then it takes like three minutes, guys. And we just read a few verses. And it might be, it's hitting us all the time about something we need to hear. And then we just, one or two of us just praise. In the evenings, we have these popsicle sticks and we write down the names of everybody we know in our life. And we just pull them out. And, and, and the kids and all of us, we just pray at the same time. We just pray for the people in our lives that our love would grow for them and that God would meet them and do good things in their lives. So you can't face the fake news. You can't push through with a heart that's not prayed up, with a heart that's not practicing God's presence, that's not meditating, that's not taking in from God and listening to God. You can't fight fire with fire. You've got to fight fire with water. And this summer we started to pray, and we're going to continue to pray until March, that this would happen for us, that there would be a new sense of boldness, a new sense of peace, a new sense of generosity, a new sense of joy, a new sense of happiness in our lives that we would actually experience. This is one thing to listen to these words and to have these principles and to be learning more and more about them. And it's a totally different thing to experience God in your life. And we pray that you experience God in your life and not just you, those who are here and listening online. I'm talking about this town. We want to see God's spirit poured out on us. Let's pray for that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me? God, I pray that we would be people who experience your love and your peace and your, your care. In Jesus' name.